0: is this episode 52 51 right 51, 51 was last week 50 yeah this is the mini market podcast Welcome back to episode 52 of the mini market podcast. Oh, Connor is out this week. So we've got a three man. What, what, what weave Dalton here with Isaiah and Lucas fellas. How are we feeling on the Sunday following a glorious green Bay Packers loss? What is up?
1: Took the words right out of my mouth. It is wonderful to wake up knowing that the Packers are no longer in the playoffs
2: and losing at home. Nonetheless, Um, is that ever going to get old cheering for another team, like cheering for the Packers to lose? Does that get old or or are we just fine rolling forever as that being the the best part of the year for the Viking season? Until the
0: Vikes hoist the Lombardi, I'm fine cheering against the pack in the playoffs. I was very
1: into the game last night, especially at that last minute kick. I was excited probably more so than most Vikings games this year.
2: I, I agree. I fully agree. It's great to watch that team lose. They're a bunch of sorry asses. Um, have you been hearing all the the kerfuffle about the weather now? There's people talking about like oh the the weather. You can't be a Green what? Bay fan and complain about the weather. It's yeah. Been they saving played your the 49ers. Like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. To me,
0: this loss was extra special, though, because it's it's kind of it might mark the end of Green Bay's run of yeah. Hall of Fame quarterbacks, going back to '92 when Favre started there. Like that, that's a 30 year window where they've had a Hall of Fame quarterback under the helm. So it's like extra special where finally Green Bay might fall off. We might have to face an average quarterback
1: a couple times a year. That'd be so sweet. Oh. I was just thinking and joked around, like watch him just go to Chicago now <laughs> or something, but. <laughs> I think uh, that was thwarted pretty quick by uh, Isaiah, actually. We were talking, and he's like, well, no, that that franchise is way too mismanaged for Aaron Rodgers to go to Chicago. (laughs) So hopefully we won't have to see him more than once a year.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, the secondary storyline
0: from that game that's been all over Minnesota Sports Twitter, did you guys see A-Rod wearing the Green Bay Packers beanie, the hat during the game? Everyone was pissed off about that. How did you guys feel? Did you have any hot takes to get your blood boiling?
2: With A Rod, sometimes I feel like he just misses the moment. Like he had the perfect opportunity to go to this game, still get everything that he wanted. I saw his like, it was like Instagram or a tweet where it was like bucket list item, seeing a playoff game at Lambeau Field. I get that. It was snowing. It was like the perfect environment. If you're just going to one game, he got what he wanted out of that. But if you're A Rod, have some sense of the moment and wear a 49ers hat. You would be like all of the skeptics, the Minnesota skeptics of A of Rod, who are like, you know, this guy doesn't get us. He's from, he's from outside. He doesn't understand Minnesota. He doesn't get our cultures. Just one time, step up, deliver, wear the right hat, wear the 49ers hat. You'd be beloved, instantly beloved. Uh, and he just missed the moment there. But I can't fully blame him. Um, He's going through a divorce, I think. He's got a lot in his plate right now. So I think he just wanted to be um, received in a positive light, just have some people around him, immediately around him, cheering him on. I think he just needed that in his life right now. So I can't fully blame him. You know, We talked about last week as it being the 50th episode, our midlife crisis. Uh, We talked about buying Corvettes all these other types of things that you could do. We forgot to mention buying a, an, a, an, an NBA franchise. That was a little bit outside of our league, but not for A-Rod. Yeah, I think it's,
1: it's okay for him to go to that game. Like you said, it's probably it would have been a really cool atmosphere. Personally, I've never been to Lambeau. Um, not really on my bucket list, but hey, to each their own. And I saw some tweets that made me kind of laugh like A-Rod's got big new boyfriend vibes. So what if his girlfriend was a Packers fan or that girl who was with was a Packers fan and just made him wear the hat Looked like they had matching hats on. That's the theory that I saw and that's the one I'm sticking to.
0: I'm totally fine with him wearing a hat. I don't really get the like crossover. I mean, this is a guy who played for the Yankees for 12 years. If he was at a Twins game wearing a Yankees hat, would we be mad about that? Like, I don't know. I'd I say if he's at Wolves games. He's going to be wearing Wolves gear. That's enough for me.
2: And, and if you're talking about what really matters, I think A-Rod didn't miss the moment here. Did you see the news that came out? I think it was either late last night or today that him and Laurie are considering getting Kevin Garnett in on the ownership mix for Hondo Millie, retiring his number and putting up a statue outside Target Center. Oh, I feel hell like yeah. if that news comes out, which got to say, I bet you if it came out after the hat thing, the PR team was like, uh-oh, people don't like A-Rod right now. Let's put this news out. We'll rush it out. We'll get it out there. Respect to them. I think they did a great job because if you're still worried about the hat right now, you're missing the bigger picture.
0: What would a KG statue look like? like? Does he have a a signature pose, would it be him headbutting the stanchion when you do that before games? Go over to the, the stanchion and headbutted a couple of yeah. times. Would all, that I be the- hope,
1: all I hope is that they get the little finger sweatbands
2: that he used to wear.
1: They <laughs> make sure those are he's iconic. Got those.
2: Yeah, I mean, people forget that he, Kevin Garnett, did the chalk throw long yeah. before LeBron swiped it from him, like the coward that he is. He used to
1: like throw it all Kevin over Garnett. the scores table, right? Like not mm-hmm. as much up into the air, but like. Mm-hmm just drench the scores,
2: people in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I left. think that for me, that'd be my money is the, and who knows, they might be commissioning me to make this statue. We haven't heard who it's going to be. I'm great with bronze, um, at Timberwolves. Um, but yeah, I would have it arms up somehow get some dust in the air. It would look great when it's snowing. Cause he's got the Ooh. arms, the snow creates the dust. Now we're starting to see the vision people.
0: So let's stick with football for our first topic for today. Let's talk a little bit of Vikings GM search, their coaching search. They've got interviews going left and right, names thrown around here and there. I'm struggling to keep up with them, but Lou, you want to take this one? you have any favorites right now in the GM slash coaching search for the Minnesota Vikings? Um,
1: yeah, so for the GMs, uh, I'm going to be completely honest. I knew little to nothing about pretty much every guy that they brought in. Um, so I did a little bit of research on the alleged final two that they've narrowed it down to in the last 24, 48 hours. I believe, um, Ryan poles is the first guy. He, uh, is the chief executive director of player personnel or sorry, the executive director of player personnel for the chiefs. Um, so, he's a, I think he's like 36. He's pretty young. He's been considered a couple times. I think the giants had him in for a couple interviews last season. Um, he ended up getting passed over, but sounds like he's had a pretty, pretty quick rise to the top. And it sounds like he's pretty talented. Um, the big thing that I see there is the chiefs, in my opinion, are on the up in terms of an organization. They were pretty bad for a while there when we were younger. Um, but I mean, they're, They won a Super Bowl. They're in contention pretty much every year now. Um, And one of his big claims of fame is, I guess, helping rebuild that offensive line, which is a huge
0: sign-up right now. if that
1: can happen for the Vikings, we've talked at length about how bad our O-line is. So um, I wouldn't hate that. Uh, Then the other guy, the other finalist, I'm sorry, I'm probably going to butcher his name, uh, Kwesi Adofu Mensah is the Browns VP of football operations. Um, Dal- I think you're probably going to like this guy if you don't know too much about him. Econ degree from Princeton undergrad. Go. Got a master's from Stanford, don't know what in. Um, <clears throat> worked on Wall Doesn't Street. Matter. Yeah, it's just the name. Um, worked on Wall Street for a little bit and uh he's a very analytical guy. He would be a big change up to kind of the spielman approach. Um, <clears throat> and the way the plus side I see there would be we have a bit of a cap issue and if this is guy if he's a money guy wall street money guy might come in fix the cap issue we might be back on track sooner than we thought also um a young up and comer he's about I think he's 40 um so honestly what I like about the going the young guy route is they're probably pretty hungry and they want to like make an impact as fast as possible and kind of keep building their name and their reputation um so GM search, I would be fine with either of those two guys as of right now.
0: Yeah, that sounds kind of like a win-win. I mean, I don't I don't know anything more than what you just told me, but that seems like it's <laughs> all I know. Solid too. duo there. Let's go. Um,
1: and then in terms of the coaching um interview list, I haven't been super thrilled. Um, my top two guys that I'm seeing here would probably be just off of honestly, probably off of gut is Kevin O'Connell, the uh, Rams offensive coordinator, because I'd like to see um, like a younger offensive guy come in. We've tried the old school defensive route and it didn't really work out. And with the weapons we have on offense now, it would be a shame to just kind of keep wasting Justin Jefferson's career over and over again, if we just can't get the offense going. But also, um, if we are going to go the defensive route, I've heard some very good things about Raheem Morris from players themselves. I've seen a lot of people come out and like say how great of a D coordinator he is. I don't really want to go the D route again, but if we have to, I think he's the worst, lesser of the two evils and compared to some of the other guys. Not a Dan Quinn guy? I was just about to get, I really, really do not want them to hire Dan Quinn or Todd Bowles if we were going to go the old school defensive head coach route, why didn't we just keep Zimmer is my thought there.
2: Um, like, okay. I, just,
1: I just don't want either of those guys.
2: <laughs> I can just I, don't. <laughs> can I interject on that just Please a little do. bit? I've been thinking about that because that's what I've been thinking is like, why would we get a, another old school defensive guy if we already had one? And I'm thinking there's a lot more to being a head coach than just like your like X's and O's ability. And a lot of that comes down to like being a manager of a business is how I look at it. And I think what happens is we're like, all of them are the same. They're all Tom Thibodeau. They're all Mike Zimmer. They're all kind of like jerks if they're like these curmudgeony defensive guys. And I, I don't know anything about some of these guys' personalities, but I think Dan Quinn has shown he's a little bit more of like a people person. Players I think guy. he has that yeah. ability a, a little bit more. Um, but I don't know if you guys have been hearing these reports about like what the culture was like. In uh, in the Vikings building, it apparently wasn't great. Reminds me, I say Tom Thibodeau because it reminds me a lot of what the Timberwolves culture appeared to be like a few years ago. Um, so I would be a little wary of like grouping all old school defensive coaches into one thing. Like, I think it's just a Mike Zimmer personality thing, um, and I think that is one of the most important pieces of being a head coach. Is like building a good culture, both between like you, upper management, you and the players, you and all of your other coaches. Um, And I felt like that was something that was kind of like falling apart. Definitely. So I, I, I am with you. I don't want Dan Quinn, but I'm just saying like, I, I, I personally lean towards, I'd take a defensive guy.
1: If, yeah, I think the, the big thing that you look at a lot of these successful teams now is a lot of these younger coaches, certainly, but not necessarily, all the younger guys but teams just like enjoy playing for their coaches now it seems other than like bill belichick is i'm sure they enjoy playing for him but you know he's just like the last of his breed he's really the only of his breed um but like sean mcveigh kyle shanahan um even like i hate to say it, but like matt lafleur like they started to figure some things out in green bay that it looks like teams enjoy playing for these guys and that's really what there's like there's no question about it. I know some guys probably like playing for Zimmer, but there was always a question about the locker room or like the building just like you're saying. And so we really need a guy to come in and just like have these guys buy into what they're doing and, and really want to play for them, I
2: think. If I'm Mike Shanahan, this would be the most proud week of my life. If you think about his son Kyle just wins like upsets the Packers to go to the NFC Championship game? And all week his like coaching tree is just getting blown up. Like everybody's so hyped about LaFleur, McVeigh, Shanahan. Like these are all dudes that he developed as a coach. And I also think that's a really important piece about being a head coach is like what can you do to identify and develop talent on your coaching staff, not just with your players. And that is another thing that I felt like wasn't really happening with Zimmer. Like, look at this list. There's no internal candidates. I don't think they're hiring anybody from inside. He's been here for eight years. The only guy that came through him was Stefanski, right? So I well, he like, was here
1: long before Zimmer. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Exactly. So um like as a coach, I think if you can have a really good coaching tree, I think that's something you should be really proud of. And I, I imagine Mike Shanahan is very proud of that accomplishment right now. Yeah.
1: One other name I'll throw out as I I'm really on the fence about is uh Doug Peterson. Ooh. So he obviously had the Super Bowl run in Philly and we shouldn't like him because they embarrassed us on national television. But I just, he's obviously a good offensive mind, which is, I think we all know now I'm supportive of that, but the downside is I think he's like, is he just another Matt Nagy where he has one good year off the Andy Reid coaching tree? And then they like, I don't know if they try to like get too creative or they just like overthink every play call and that's because it to me that's exactly what matt nagy did and got himself fired because of it and i think doug peterson kind of did the same thing i don't pay attention to philly as much but that's what i would worry about in doug peterson and if eric Bieniemy then comes in too is he just another guy that would do wow, that
2: lou i like that that's a Who knows? i've thought about this is, a little we're connecting bit. dots here lucas i like this why
0: do NFL teams need a head coach? Why couldn't you just do two co-head coaches? One of them's your O coordinator. One of them's your D coordinator. They control their side of the house, and you roll with that. What are you a communist? Yeah, well, that that can be like a, a, a sort of like a junior head coach. But why couldn't you just have two guys? Why why does there need to be one guy overseeing both ends of the of the ball? What
1: happens? They're the bridge. I mean, because you play complementary football. Yeah, you have to like. I don't know. I don't know the exact answer. Well, but... I
2: mean, it's a corporate structure. You have the two managers of their halves of the thing, and then you have to have somebody who can figure out how to put it all together. Because the OC and the the DC are both going to be vying for their own benefit because they should be. Like They want their side of the ball to be as good as possible, but you have to have somebody who can decide what's best for the group overall, and that's why there's a head coach, I feel like. Is that the general manager then? No, I don't think they should be involved in those types of things. I think it's more X's and O's and they don't have that, that knowledge, but I mean, that'd be an interesting structure, Dalton. When, whenever you're a GM, try to pitch that to a, uh, an owner, see what they say, see what Jerry Jones thinks of that. I think he'd actually like it.
0: Save some cash. Don't have to pay a head coach.
2: Who's going to throw the challenge flag? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true. That offense gets it on offense. Defense gets on defense. Um... But also, there's been a little buzz on what's his name, uh, Kellen Moore, Cowboys O coordinator. Also, don't I don't think I I would enjoy him either. He's very inexperienced, and the Cowboys offense was pretty abysmal this season at times for how good of players they have. So he did beat the Vikes with a backup QB, though.
0: Wow but yeah, I get that's, it. 33 30. or there. <laughs> I feel like he got way too much flack for that QB draw call at the end of the game. Like it wasn't a great call, but does one call all of it, a sudden make you go from like a shining star coaching candidate to now? I heard it was Dak's fault.
1: No, I heard that was Dak's fault. He ran too far. He should have slid earlier. There we go. That's what Tony Romo said, but...
0: but it is interesting. I mean, I saw like eight guys, eight, nine guys on the list of coach coaching interviews. And I think half of them were under 40 years old. So it's exciting in terms of we've got a pretty good chance of going with a nice young up and coming coach. But I imagine they'll go GM first and the GM will pare down the coaching candidates to his, his select few.
2: I was going to ask, what do you think that, stri- like, what's the structure there where like you're interviewing coaches before you have a GM who's ultimately going to be the guy who makes a decision? Do you think they're just videotaping it and the whenever the GM gets hired, they're just going to like watch it back like a uh, Netflix binge the interview? <laughs> you
0: know, it's, it's, Coaching interview and was, chill, baby.
1: <laughs> it was very strange to me because they... Def, they came out early or like fairly early in the process and said, we're going to hire a GM before we hire a coach. But then they're just flying through all these interviews still for the, all these coaching candidates. But who's
2: doing the interviews?
1: Right? Yeah. Is it just Ziggy He's, and Mark? Hey, okay, like, so
2: what do you think we're going to do with the offense? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you had a Kirk Cousins, how do you maximize? It's me, Mark Wolf. Do you think Kirk gets do You think Kirk gets any say in this now, or is he just if you're letting if you're letting Kirk Cousins influence who you hire as your coach, you're just an ass backwards organization that deserves to lose. <laughs> Come
3: on. There
1: are, there are rumors that Kirk's gonna get dumped here pretty quick and we might go after Deshaun Watson.
2: Um anti, oh, anti, no. disavow, disavow. We're not Watson guys. That's what's a rumor. I'm not saying it's true. I, but... I don't know. Is it worse to have an anti-vaxxer or a um or the antichrist yeah as your as the leader of your organization (laughs) not great either way on record not great
0: not great okay let's move on to our next segment we're going to play a new game little story this game legitimately came to me in a dream i dreamt we started a new segment on the podcast it was a game called it's a numbers game so, boys, buckle up. For those
2: of you who don't think we do enough prep work, this proves that we eat, sleep, dream mini market podcast.
0: Okay. So it's pretty simple. It's basically a trivia game where all the answers are numbers. So I've got 10 questions. You guys are gonna get a point if you get the question right. No points if you get it wrong at the end of the 10. We'll see who wins. Play along at home. Is it
1: just buzz in
0: or no? So I'll uh I'll ask the question. Beep, 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 beep. You guys can, uh, you guys will lock in your answer. So you can just uh, offer Send it in the chat. chat. Send it in the chat, direct message to me to lock in your answer. And then, uh, yeah, right or wrong. You get a point if you're right, not if you're wrong. No Google. No Google. Okay, here we go. It's a numbers game.
3: Question one What number did Marion Gabrick wear for most of his time with the wild?
0: Lose, lose face. He doesn't know this
3: one. He doesn't know this one. I have no one. idea. I have
1: no idea.
0: <laughs> All right. Isaiah guessed thirteen. Lucas guessed ninety four. You're both incorrect. He wore number ten. Ten? Ah. Ah. I, sh- I would have
1: died 10? on thirteen. I was gonna guess maybe sixteen was my other guess, but Kern would be
0: really, he'd be pissed right now. <laughs> All right. Question two. What are the last two seasons the Twins had an MVP winner?
3: Oh, Jesus.
0: Two seasons? Mm Got to give them both. I think this is gonna be good because the, the listeners at home are gonna be pissed and it sort of exposes us. It's a good like test of our, our I'm, not a tr- I'm not good at tr- you're tr-
1: the yeah. numbers
2: guy. Yeah, yeah. This is your <laughs> you should be the one answering these. Uh lock it in. I have you already guessed, Lou?
0: Yep. Oh, yep, I'm in. Locked fuck. in.
2: Um <laughs> three,
0: two. <laughs> You both got two thousand nine correct. I hey. guess nineteen eighty-five. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas guessed two thousand and four. It was two thousand six and two thousand nine. Oh, it was that was more... in oh six, damn and I was wondering. in 09. Hmm. So we're, you're both I was two. also
1: thinking about going like nineteen yeah. ninety-three or yeah. so. I forgot more now. No, it was right? a long time before. I'm trying that. to think yeah. like
2: who on the piranhas was an MVP? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Nineties <laughs> yeah. were not great for most of them. So you get to eighty-five fast, folks. Dang. That's all I'm saying. You get to eighty-five. I was close. Fast. It's was a numbers
1: game. For the record, we have eight more of these questions. Eight more. Yikes! Over under of how many we get right.
0: <laughs> I'm about to rally off eight in a row, baby. Here we go. Here's a current one for you, youngins. What jersey number is Ezra Cleveland?
2: It's a numbers game. Ezra Cleveland. I have no idea. I have no idea. I was going to try to get eight in a row, but I'm just going to. I, Lucas, you should know this. You spend I most am... of your time uh, watching Vikings <laughs> games just yelling at the line. So, I've been focusing on backups this year.
0: <laughs> okay, Lucas guessed 64. Isaiah guessed 68. The correct answer. Four more than that. 72. Ah. 72. All <laughs> right. Seven in a row. We, suck. we go. <sighs> okay. It's a numbers game. Question four. What year did the Metrodome collapse? The roof collapse. Mm. Not the explosion. I thought this game was going to be who scores the most points. It might be who gets the first question
3: right. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Lucas guessed
0: 2012. Isaiah guessed 2011. The correct answer is 2010. It. Oh,
2: God. it was December 2010.
1: I was trying to, yeah, I was thinking it was December. Well, you were January. wrong, Lou. I was still off. <laughs> yeah, I was, not, I was a year <laughs> off
2: still. But... And I was also wrong. Dang. All right. All
0: Man, right. in It's a numbers game. Question five. Tyler Johnson and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are
3: playing today. What jersey number was Tyler Johnson when he played with the Gophers? I think I'm thinking of somebody else. The correct answer is (laughs) number six. You both
0: got that one right. Yes! 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 All right. It's an even heat. Way to go, Lou. Way to go.
2: Uh, Purple meme, Lucas and Isaiah, knowing Gopher players, Uh, handshake. (laughs)
1: Fun fact, I sacked Tyler Johnson once in high school. Oh. Big deal. Whoa! <laughs> oh. that is a big deal. He was a freshman. I was a senior. Yeah, I can the show deal. them what you it's all an about.
0: NFL player. All right. It's a numbers game. Question six. What year did the Wild play their first
3: NHL game? Uh, um, too many wild questions. the state of hockey? This is the state of hockey. This is the last purely wild question, Lou. So fear fear not.
0: Purely wild. (laughs) So there's a little wild in some of them. Lucas guessed 2001. Isaiah guessed 2002. The correct answer is 2000. Yep. I freaking
2: second guessed myself. I (laughs) second guessed myself. We're right there. Kick them off the pod.
0: So still 1 1. All right. Dang. It's a numbers game. Question seven Justin or no? Famously wore number 33 for most of his time with the Twins. What number did oh, he wear before he changed to number
3: 33 suck. for his first two-plus seasons? Uh, Lucas guessed 23. I, I'm Isaiah guessed I'm 27. <laughs> the
0: correct answer is 27. Let's
3: go. Let's go!
2: Whoa. Yeah, boy. Did you top, actually know that? rope, baby.
1: <laughs> what, do you have like an old Justin Morneau shirt <laughs> shirt jersey at home or something?
2: Maybe. Why
0: do you know Maybe. that? Maybe. All right, I picked a 2-1 lead. It's a numbers game.
2: Commanding 2-1 lead. Commanding
0: lead. <laughs> yeah, commanding. <laughs> Question 8 of 10. The Minnesota Vikings' 2021 first round pick was Christian Derrissaw. What number draft pick was he? they traded back in the draft to select him I don't, I don't know. which number
3: pick Lucas Christian you should know this you were oh, complaining about I should something so they traded back from
0: 14 Isaiah guess 16 <sighs> Lucas guessed 18 the correct answer is 23 wow way down it's a long time ago man all right, Ike's got, Ike's got a commanding 2 on lead, and I think it might widen here.
3: What seed were the Wolves the last time they made the playoffs? You both got it right. They were the eighth seed I, I, the year they made the playoffs there was with a, Jay Butler. There was a split,
2: Come on, no, there was a split second where I, I questioned myself because then I was like, wait, we played the Rockets, but the Warriors would have been the one seed, but the Rockets were the one seed that year. People forget that. All right, so, so that I team should have won an NBA championship, that Rockets team. Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, they win an NBA championship.
1: And then Timberwolves lose to the to, yeah, very I different narrative, right, Lou? If yeah. you lose to the mm-hmm. to the champs versus just Jimmy a bunch of sorry, still here. sorry yeah. butts. Yeah. So I need to get this one and I need to miss it, right? To tie. Do yep. we go to sudden Three, death over two.
0: Time. Question number 10. Each Minnesota sports team has a major contributor who wears the number 22. Can you name all four players who oh, wear number dude, 22? You ah, said those answers were <laughs> numbers. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I, this was the, the last tiebreaker, so it's kind of a reverse numbers. You get the number, 22. You have to name all four who wear number 22.
3: They're all major contributors. It's not like a bench randy. I don't even know the Timberwolves roster. I couldn't even tell you the starting
1: five. <laughs> well, stay tuned for Wolves Talk later this episode.
2: <laughs> uh, we will be muting Lucas's microphone. <laughs> uh, Dang it. This is not the day to be doing this. Not the day to be doing this. It's a numbers game, baby. Uh, I'm, I'm stalling out.
0: Neither of you have put anyone in the chat. So
2: I have, th- I have
0: three of my four guesses
3: ready. I'm just trying to think of the fourth. Number 22. All four teams have a major contributor who wears number 22. Uh, who?
2: <laughs> I don't want to guess like a. Oh, uh, fuck. <laughs> these are just guesses
3: man i've got two of them right i'm pretty confident on two of them but i had i can't even guess for the other two.
2: Oh, uh what's his name what's his name hint? what's his name what's his name
1: <laughs> i don't know
3: Ah
2: oh,
1: yeah. No Google. No Google. No, no Google. That's under no, protest. No, no. We're good. We're, oh, good. good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good.
2: Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Last one. Last one. Come on. Come on. Come on. Ike's,
0: Ike's feeling good about his first three. Lou, how many do you think you have right now? Any? I know. Pitcher, I It's your infield, one.
2: outfield. What do we think? Ah, Ch- I'm the twins stuck one, on the right? twins. I twins. I have one's no tricky. idea. The twins one is tricky. <laughs> tricky, tricky, tricky. I'm feeling like it's a corner outfielder, but feels wrong it's gonna be a pitcher scrub can i just say brad radke no,
0: <laughs> sure it'll be wrong but you can toss it in there all right i'm gonna i'm gonna start counting down from 10 gotta have your answers in all right i just all don't right. have, I just have it i don't have there. it six <laughs> four
1: oh, what happened to 10 and
2: Oh wait Two. I changed my oh, last I one. It, I got I got it. I think I got it. I think I got it. Can see it. reflecting on his eyeballs. <laughs> All right. I didn't get it. Did I, I even get I it? it in? I didn't get it.
0: So here were Isaiah's first guesses. Fiala. We guess Beverly. Get it? Harrison Smith and uh, Bailey Ober. No, I changed that one. And then Lucas came no, in I with changed. Harrison Smith, <laughs> Kevin Fiala. Jared Vanderbilt and Miguel Sano. Ike came in late with the Sano, which was the right answer. Lou, do we give him the change? Because if so, he nailed it. Is Fiala? It was was in time. It was in time. Well, I lost anyways. We'll give it to you. Nailed it. In time. Good work, Ike. So the four. Minnesota Wilds. Kevin Fiala. Patrick Beverly on the Wolves. Harrison Smith on the Vikings. And Miguel Sano on the Twins. All wear number 22. It's a,
1: it's a numbers game. It's a numbers
2: game, and that was the most redeeming final answer question I've ever seen. Wow. What a good game, Dalton. That was fun, actually. That was fun.
0: I thought Viala was going to be tougher. I thought that I'm was going to be the tough one, here. but we both had him. I
2: was a, that was a shot
1: oh, in the dark. No. Vanderbilt was all, a complete uh, his shot His nickname dark is literally like V8. Two. <laughs> I,
2: didn't I was know originally going to number about eight, we, but... We we made a joke about me reworking my Wiggins jersey into a Beverly jersey on this podcast. Do you even listen back? Yeah, Ooh. Lou. How many episodes have you listened to?
0: All right, so that's it's a numbers game. Let Plenty. us know on Twitter. Let us know you scored. Let us know if you it had to be back. better than three. Hopefully, <laughs> better than three. But valiant work, boys. I got.
3: I got close, two Two, too.
0: two halves. Go. Two halves. All right, so now we're going to go into Lucas's favorite segment here. We're going to talk Wolves, and we're going to talk trade deadline. So the deadline's coming up in February, early February, I think the 10th. So Ike, I wanted to toss it to you and get your thoughts about how you think the Wolves should approach the deadline. There's a lot of chatter going around. Wolves fans are excited. This is the best team we've had in a while. So a lot of people are saying, let's make a big splash. Some people are saying, let's hold back, maybe wait by our time, make a move next year. I want to get your thoughts on the trade deadline.
2: Yeah. Um, it's, an, it's an interesting deadline for sure. It's the first time in a long time the Wolves have been buyers. And I think that's what's creating some of the buzz is that it's that feeling of like, hey, we're doing something totally different this year uh, than we have in years past. And that's just kind of exciting in its own right. Um, it is really tricky to put together a move. I think that like fundamentally feels like it would create value for the Timberwolves. Um, I just feel like they have a lot of guys that we would love to trade, but who wants them is part of the problem, Mm -hmm. especially as you look on our bench. I think last week we had prepped like talking about it. What's your like nine man rotation on the Timberwolves. And it's like actually really hard to do. Um, just because like once you get to the bench, a lot of the players are super similar. Um, and that's not necessarily a good thing for this team. Like it's just like a, a solid step down and they are all at that step instead of sort of a tiered system where it's like, you'd rather have it be really easy to figure out your top eight guys. Yeah, like players eight through
0: 12 are sort of interchangeable.
2: Yeah. So that, that makes it tricky. Um, there's a couple things that are like looming out there as like really good possibilities. I think, um, One thing that's been interesting is McDaniels, I think, has had less development over this last offseason than expected. I think people, myself included, I would say maybe you too, Dalton, probably thought McDaniels was going to make like a pretty significant step forward this past offseason, especially considering how much time and like play he got um, in the summer league. And it was like this key focus of like, we're going to unlock Jaden McDaniels. Hasn't happened. You've talked about his shooting. It hasn't been great. Um, He fouls like it's nobody's business on defense. It's really held him back a lot this year. Um, And he just, for me, is starting to have that like Minnesota fans. We love heart and hustle uh, to the maximum. And Jaden McDaniels has such a straight face, which I think is good for sports, especially with like this team being the most emotionally volatile team. But, I think in Minnesota specifically, having a straight face guy like that, it can it can get old if you're not producing. That's what happened to Andrew Wiggins. Like I think a lot of the sentiment changed for Andrew Wiggins when he stopped producing as well, and he still looked just as disengaged. Like Jaden McDaniel's does, like run into that issue of looking slightly disengaged. Um, but again, personally, I think it's good. I think you should have some guys that are like really straight face like that. But I think that is start the clock on Jaden McDaniels and the tide turning on him by Wolves fans because of his emotionless um, demeanor. That being said, I don't know what you would get for a guy like Jaden McDaniels. I also feel the same way for Beasley. I don't know what you would get for a guy like Beasley. I think those are our two biggest trade pieces that we'd be willing to move. Um, unless you want to sell high on Jared Vanderbilt and like make a more significant move and try to go and get a guy like Jeremy Grant from the Pistons? Like, could you package together something like McDaniels and Vanderbilt and maybe a pick for Grant? And do you think that makes a team better or worse?
0: I think one of the challenges with the Wolves is if you're not, you're, you're definitely not going to move any of the big three, Cat, Delo, Ant. The, I mean, they take half the Wolves' shots. And so if you're going to make a big splash to bring in somebody who needs touches and needs shots, where do those come from, Right. Are the big three willing to give up some of their looks? Otherwise, you really have to look at moving Malik Beasley. But like you said, are we selling low at this point on Beasley? Who wants Beasley? He's making $14, $15 million a year. But he he's taking another 12 shots a game. Jaden Noel, recently he's come on. Now he's taking 10. So there aren't that many shots to go around when you have guys like Vanderbilt, Torian Prince. They're only taking four or five shots a game each. So there aren't that many touches. So if you're going to make this big splash, who's going to be giving up the touches or is a guy like Jeremy Grant, is he okay to come in and only take eight shots a game after he's been taking 15 or so in Detroit?
2: The reason I did say Jeremy Grant is because I think he fit that role of a guy who doesn't get a ton of touches really well when he was with the Nuggets Mm -hmm. that season. I think he that was a really, really good team. People forget how solid that team was and how like, the offense ran through two guys and neither of them were Jeremy Grant and his numbers were very solid. I think he sort of like, in terms of production, plateaued. Once he got to it, like he can be as effective with fewer touches than he is, like right now in Detroit, with he's getting twenty shots or whatever he's getting. Yeah. Um. So that's why I like him as a possibility. I think they've Harrison Barnes has also been out there, and I think he's similar in that sense of like he knows how to get his without having the ball all the time. Um. So.
0: Yeah, I think Grant would be to, an awesome fit because, like you mentioned, he played he would be playing a similar role as the one he played in Denver when they made a deep run in the playoffs. You would just have to do a lot of sort of background digging and say, is this a role that Grant wants to come back to now that he's sort of had the taste of being the guy getting 20 plus shots a game? Because some guys, that's what they want to be. They want to be the feature man, even if their team's maybe not as good. They'd rather take 25 shots than take 10 and be on a winning team. But I, I would love, love that fit. So you mentioned Barnes and Grant. Are there any other guys you'd like to see the Wolves target at the deadline?
2: Um, one guy I've always wanted is is Buddy Heald. I think the problem with Buddy Heald is the price is going to be too high. I don't think the Wolves necessarily want to pay what it's going to take to get Buddy Heald. Um, he would just be a, an upgrade over Beasley, basically. Um, fill that same role, but just be a more consistent shooter. Be a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. But I think he he would be a really good fit. And along that line... Similarly is Tim Hardaway Jr He is also a guy I've wanted for a really long time, and the Mavericks are right in this weird on the edge portion of their like team and this season specifically. They're hovering right with the wolves around that seven, or like six through eight seed, um, where wolves fans that feels really good. Mavs fans, that feels really bad. Um, and there's reports that the Knicks are trying to go and get Jalen Brunson from them. So I think if they move Jalen Brunson, that would be an indicator that they're starting to look to rebuild this a little bit, like a quick rebuild. Um, and then I feel like a guy like Tim Hardaway has been on that team for a really long time. It might just be the clock has run out on him there. Uh, and the wolves could maybe try to go and get him. It's again, I feel like an upgrade in terms of shooting over Beasley, but definitely in playmaking and definitely in defense over Beasley. Um, I just look at the Beasley spot right now is something that is really killing the wolves Mm -hmm. Uh, just because he's been so inconsistent. uh, And you can see the importance that he has, especially considering how many shots he gets a game. I think any like three and D guy or any three point specialist in the league would love to be Malik Beasley right now because he gets so many open looks consistently night in night out. He's just not hitting them. Um, so, I think there'd be a lot of guys in the league who would be like, I would love to play that role. And I think Tim Hardaway could really take advantage of that because he is a sniper, especially from the corners.
0: Yeah, it would just be a matter of finding a team where you could route Beasley to. And it maybe it would be a win now team like the Lakers or like the Nets or someone who would be willing to take him on and say, you know, we'll hope that we can, we're going to get him shots and we'll hope that we can pay him what he's. Making for the next two plus years, but we really need to win now because LeBron's going to leave or because maybe Harden's going to leave, something like that.
2: I like that you said the Lakers. I always think of Beasley as being sort of like a Diet Coke version of JR Smith, where like he looks really clueless at times. He can like absolutely light it up at times. He'll do things that make you want to pull your hair out sometimes. And I think that's just like the perfect fit for LeBron. He just needs that. Uh, J.R. Smith character in his life. And I think Malik Beasley could really fill that role for him.
0: Well, one of the guys I thought the Wolves could potentially target at the deadline is on the Lakers, Taylor Horton Tucker. He's been a name that's been thrown around a ton at the deadline because he's kind of the one piece the Lakers might actually move. Besides, they'd love to move Russ Westbrook, but he's making like 45 million and isn't very good. So that's unlikely that any team's going to take him. So Horton Tucker makes like 9 million a year. He's a shooting guard, 6'4", has a seven-one wingspan. He's mostly potential right now. He hasn't produced a ton. He starts some of their games. He averages about 10 points a game, but he's a really versatile defender. I think if you were able to get the Lakers to say, we're going to go all in to try to win one with LeBron here, let's add Malik Beasley as a shooter who can space the floor for LeBron and AD. Maybe you could get Taylor Horton Tucker back and then replace Malik's minutes with a larger role from Noel plus Taylor Horton Tucker. He's a different player. Obviously, Horton Tucker is not as much of a shooter as Beasley is, but He'd be an interesting fit defensively if you had him out there with maybe Ant, those two guys on the wing, just sort of athletic freaks, then Pat Bev in there too. I, I think you could put together a really interesting lineup with Horton Tucker.
2: You're saying the Timberwolves need less spacing, right? That's that's your take.
0: <laughs> well, I'm just saying Beasley has been... He hasn't done a great job shooting this year. So I think if you could offload his contract, you'd be saving about $5 million a year getting Horton Tucker. So can you sort of replace what Beasley's giving you right now and then next off season you'll have an extra 5 million dollars plus Prince's expiring deal plus Jake Layman's 4 million coming off the books you'll have like 30 million dollars to maybe make two big bench splashes next year.
2: No, I think that's a that is the point, right? I think that's kind of going to be the strategy if I had to guess going into this this trade deadline and this upcoming off season is like we kind of know where we are as a team. There's no real move that's going to totally change everything for the Timberwolves. Like, And I don't think they're right now willing to blow things up. They don't want to deal a ton of people. They still, I think, want to see if Beasley's shot can come back around because if it does, dangerous. Mm-hmm. They want to see if Vanderbilt can continue to develop, especially with his ball skills. They want to see what Nad- Nas Reed will like continue to develop. They want to see if Jaden McDaniels can take a next step. So I feel like they're more likely to stand pat and then see what they can do. Like you said, with some of this expiring money um, and see if they can make some bigger moves in the off season. But I, I, I am not a Horton Tucker guy. He gets, for me, he's that LA spotlight kind of player. Like he's a, he's an okay role player on a team with a really big market. And I know sometimes that works out where they get away from LeBron and they can take off. Mm -hmm. But uh, to me, he feels like a guy who nobody would have ever heard of if he didn't play for the Lakers and 25% from 3 am I reading that right yeah he's shooting about 25% from 3 this year he's been he's been bad this year shooting that's rough that is rough maybe it's that those long levers that 7-1 wingspan it's hard to hone that shot in
0: so one other name I'll throw out there that I haven't really heard thrown around at all in wolves talk is Serge Ibaka so he's making like 9 million dollars this year but the clippers will save over 40 million dollars in luxury tax if they trade him And with Paul George and Kawhi both possibly out for the season, they might sort of be calling it quits on this year. So he could be a guy where you could buy low because they're just trying to offload him to save a ton of money where maybe, maybe you send them just Nas Reed for surge straight up, just swap that, Um, you know, get more of a traditional sort of center who can defend the rim. He can shoot it too. I mean, he, Shoots like two, two and a half threes a game at 40%. So he's a good stretch big. He's developed that Ibaka has. But he would be a guy I would be very curious to see with Cat what he could do. Because Nas, as good as he is offensively, really struggles defensively. And I think Serge would be a nice sort of well-rounded veteran presence as a big man. So that would be someone I'd be curious to see if the Wolves could swing.
1: Uh, quick chime in. If the Wolves get Serge Ibaka, that is a Wolves jersey I would be happy to purchase, I think. That is your,
2: uh, what do you That'd have,
0: Andre And uh, No, no, I wanted I, the
1: AK. Remember we were there, <laughs> they only had
0: double XLs. I yeah, had the, the Derek Williams, laugh. number so, seven jersey. So dusty. The, the AK jersey would have been sweet. Yeah. I feel like you could probably find one of those on on eBay or something like
2: that. Yeah. Lou just wants all the random jerseys. That's a presence. I like it, Lou. That's a guy you'd love. That's a good one, Dalton. That'd be really interesting. Yeah. I think everybody's been vying to see what, what the Timberwolves would look like. I, you know me. I'm a, I'm a proponent of the Twin Towers, so I would love it. Um, but yeah, Serge Ibaka, legit rim defender. What could happen with the Wolves with that? Sky's the limit?
0: Sky's the limit. Six seed's the limit? Five seed's the limit? What do you have them at this week? Like, three <laughs> oh, okay. seed? Uh, come on. Still six. Still six.
1: Well, I think you said what, maybe I can't remember if it was on air or off air, but I believe you said that Wolves were a complete lock for the playoffs a couple
0: of weeks ago. I think
3: you're so. There's such take? a
0: big gap between the ninth and the 10th seed. If you're counting the play-in tournament as the playoffs, I think they're a lock. If, if you I, say I, they yeah, have to get I out would, of the play-in tournament to quote unquote make the playoffs, then they're certainly not a lock in my book.
3: I like it. I love the confidence. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. This was the Mini Market Podcast.
0: Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at MiniMarketPod. And we'll be back next week.
3: Peace.
2: I just realized I didn't record. Somebody will have to send me one.
3: My- oh, no. Sorry.
1: Head <laughs> <laughs> injury getting you. I saw that tweet <laughs> halfway through the podcast. I started laughing. <laughs>
3: I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.